Hello friends, I'm Dulce Sloan and welcome to That Black Ass Show, a podcast celebrating the black TV shows, movies, plays, and all types of black content that have and continue to shape the world. This week we're talking about the 1999 movie Life. Starring veteran comedians Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, Life is a story that follows two strangers during the 1930s who were wrongly convicted of a crime. They end up developing a close relationship as they serve their time in prison. Life also starred Oba Babatunde, Guy Torrey, Bernie Mac, Sanaa Lathan, Clarence Williams III, Heavy D, and Rick James. Today's guest is comedian and actress Miss Pat. Miss Pat was hailed by Variety Magazine as the top 10 comic to watch in 2019. She also appeared on NBC's Last Comic Standing, Comedy Central's This Is Not Happening, TV Guide Network's Stand Up in Stilettos, and was just featured in Larry Charles' Dangerous World of Comedy on Netflix. Her memoir, Rabbit, which I read and is riveting, is available anywhere you purchase books. And don't forget to check out her hilarious podcast, The Pat Down with Miss Pat. Now just to get, just a heads up, you might hear some distortions in the background while we were talking to Miss Pat. All right, let's start the show. Hi, Miss Pat. Hey, Dosey. <laughs> How are you doing? Just fine. Your opening of your podcast is way more professional than mine. <laughs> I'll be sitting on my sofa with no bra on, just running my mouth. Hey, just started talking, and my engineer be like, did we start? I'm like, hell yeah, we started. <laughs> <laughs> it's because my producer writes this out for me, so that's the only my reason. Ain't shit. Ask him to do it. <laughs> Tell him, like, hey, I need Child, a real... I don't, want, I don't want to read all that shit. You did a good job of that. You know what? You're right. I got my book learning. You know about Gwinnett County. Um, I did want to talk about your memoir, uh, Rabbit. I got it from um, one of my agents because, you know, they're always trying to get you to write a book. Um, and I was like, I don't know if I have anything to say. Nothing's really happened to me. I am yet still a babe. Uh but I got it and I just started looking at it. I was leaving the meeting and I was like looking at one or two pages. And then I just read the whole book in like a day and a half. I was like, I have to know what happens next. So I read your whole book <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. Cause it's funny. Cause like we both grew up, I grew up mostly in Atlanta. I, you know, we lived in like Miami, I was born there and we lived in Oklahoma and Colorado, but we lived mostly in Atlanta. But I we never lived on the side of Atlanta that you lived on. We always yeah. lived on the so you were on the west side, right? It's on the west side. So you were over by the bluff, like you were over by the bluff and all of that. Like I Bankhead. Grew up in the bluff. See, this is yeah. What, see, okay, fun fact about me. Um, I one had never been over that side of town. I never I didn't know what a bluff was until I was an adult. Until I got a job at, um, you know, there's that uh, trash company, Republic Services, is on. Uh, it's now Donnelly Hollowell, but it used to be Bankhead, like right off, of, right off of 285. Mm-hmm. I used to work for that trash company, and mm-hmm. that's when I found out because that Snow and the Bluff movie had come out, and everybody was asking me about it, and I was like, I don't know anything about this bluff you speak of, or any of this, because we would always like we lived in like we. Used, lived in uh when we first moved to atlanta we lived like old national godby road down there 
And then we that, were that was for the higher end black people back in those days. Right. And so we lived down there and then we moved to Austell. And, oh, yeah. And then we were in Sandy Springs. Mm-hmm. And then we went back to Miami when we came back. So we went back to Miami when we came back. We lived in the city of Atlanta for a couple months, like off of like Cleveland Avenue. And I was like, I don't know if I'm built for this. Uh, and then we lived in Gwinnett County. And now my mother lives in Stone Mountain. So we were always on the east side or the north side for most of my life. Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't live in the bluff. I didn't get to see that movie Snow on the Bluff. Uh-huh. I lived there when it was only problem was like weed and cocaine. Okay. So weed and probably alcohol and a little cocaine. When when heroin got to that community, I had all, we was already on the other side of town. We was more closer to the West End Mall. So I didn't get to see all the killing and all of that. It was bad. Yeah. When I was coming, but it was not like that snow in the bluff bag. Like it was like fucking a desert. Uh, when when all of that when heroin when heroin hit that community, so I didn't get to see all of that. But I grew up in the bluff before the bluff became the snow on the bluff. Uh, went to elementary school. See, I went to Cleveland Middle. No, I went to Crawford Long Middle School. Oh yeah, you you had some money if you say Crawford Long anything to black people. <laughs> see, but I couldn't. I don't. I couldn't see that because. Cause like my brother went to Cleveland elementary and I went to Crawford long middle school and uh, I don't know if the money didn't hit. I don't know. It was, I, I came home every day and asked my mother, when are we moving? Cause I was like, this is too, this was, it was too wild for me. Cause I'd gone like, we were in Miami. I went to magnet school. So then I got, we got back and there were girls in the sixth grade who were pregnant, but they were 15. And I was like, <laughs> that was me. No, I wasn't that kept back. <laughs> I was like, is she even allowed to be here? Like, it was so. And then they were like, oh, you talk white. And I was like, every black person I've ever known talks like me, except for some of my cousins in Miami. But other than that, I was like, yo, man, I don't know. Because you know how we have like the, uh, I got two trophies. These only trophies I've ever gotten in my life, other than like, for you know, like only trophies I got in school were from my test scores mm-hmm. for like the standardized test we'd have to take every year, like the mm-hmm. Iowa test or whatever. And they were giving out trophies. I said, how the hell did I get a trophy for a standardized test? I was like, oh, this is not a good. <laughs> you got to motivate the pokey. This is good. So this is not because like our books and stuff, like I was like, I didn't realize how like, old they were and outdated. How- all they were like one and all of the maps in the school for the most part had the USSR on them. I was like, this fell years ago. Uh, <laughs> Only a per- I, I I guarantee you, nobody in that school, those kids didn't notice that. Your ass noticed that. We want to know why the fuck you noticed that it had USSR. I was asking, they're like, why do you even know what this is? And I was like, the Iron Curtain fell. Gorbachev tore down the wall. How am I? Um, and then like I had a gifted class, but it was only history. And then by the second semester, because I started in February and the teacher was just teaching from memory. And I was like, we have got to move because like my history books didn't even have. I think I think my it was like this was like 94. And I think my history books still said that Jimmy Carter was president. And I was like, how is this even allowed? Like, wow, how you is fucking nosy? <laughs> I was reading the book. <laughs> I, I tell them all the time how 
uh, when I was coming up, I grew up in that bluff area. And literally when you went to go check out, you know, you got your school book at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. You have to email people fucking names out the book yeah. to put your name in there. And sometimes you have to go like one or two pages. So, you know, like the introduction of the book. People that start signing the book out mm-hmm. on that side. That's how old the curriculum was in the school when you're in the in the, in the, when you're in the inner city. And I talked about, because um, I have a bit about my kids, because my kids get, my son graduated uh, last year, a year before, how he would just come in the house and throw his iPad down, and which would piss me the hell off. Right. Because I never had anything that nice. Also, that costs, an iPad is over $1,000. Sir, if no, you don't. No, 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 school, his school gave them to them. You know what? My niece, my niece and my nephews, their school gave them like laptops. Yeah. My kids now have laptops. My son had a pad. You could choose that you want a pad or do you want a laptop? And he literally would come in the house and throw the shit down. And as a growing up the way I did, and I look at my kids and I'm like, you some ungrateful motherfuckers. <laughs> and it me. I get so jealous of them. I'm like, I wish y'all knew what it was to have old ass fucking books and teachers who didn't give a fuck and you you did have some teacher that really cared yes but you just they don't they don't know how blessed they are like i remember i had a daughter say oh uh we don't eat free lunch. we don't eat free lunch and we qualify for free lunch in my house because i had i took care of my daddy so anytime you take anytime somebody received like food stamps in your yeah. household my daddy was nine dollars so it automatically made my kids qualify for free lunch and my daughter's like we don't eat free lunch and i'm like why not i grew up on free lunch your brother your first your your brother and your sister grew up on free lunch and my daughter was like um duh do you see how dumb he is and i'm like wait a minute bitch you think free lunch make you dumb no that's 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 different but also people would talk shit about being on free lunch let me tell you something free lunch and paid lunch it's the same lunch. It's the status, though, say. Oh, I understand. Say oh, no, 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 no. We got free lunch until I think my senior year of high school. And because the thing is, because, you know, depending on what county you live in. It's, you know, and just wherever city you live in, the num it just dict- it's different. But what the qualification, what the qualification is. So mm-hmm. we always got free lunch. And then when I got older, we had to pay. And I was like, this is fucking stupid. Why am I giving you money for the same lunch? This is the same because fucking lunch. Because your mom lunch. income change. Is your under- mom income change. Exactly. I didn't think it was a status symbol. I thought the shit was annoying. I was like, my mama pays taxes. Okay. Do we live in an apartment? That's not the point. My mama pays taxes. I shouldn't have to pay for this. I be pit. I was pissed. And then my mother was like, "Well, you have a job because I worked after school." So I was like, "Well, mama, you got to give me lunch money because now we have reduced lunch or no, or you know full price lunch or whatever." And she was like, "You got a job?" And I was like, "What? The only reason I'm paying for this lunch is that you got a job. Why am I paying for this lunch?" She's like, "You work." I don't understand why you're asking me for lunch money. I was well, like, when, school, like when, my, when my kids went to high school, they would no longer eat fucking at school anyway. So oh, we had to eat. Moved, You had to eat at school? We couldn't leave. Oh, yeah. They, they allow, didn't they allow you to leave? They allow my kids to leave school. Oh, absolutely but I do not. My school did not play that game. At sometimes, like, because people try to leave during school, and sometimes, like, if you didn't have a work-study job, 
if you tried to leave, you'd get written up for skipping school. You could not leave. They would lock the doors if it wasn't the front door or the back or the, and this is in Gwinnett. If it wasn't the front door of the school or like a door on the gym, all of the doors were locked from the outside. So if you tried oh, to, wow. if you tried to skip and come back in, you couldn't get back in. So a lot of the doors on the outside of the school were locked and you could only come through specific doors on the school so they could see who was coming in and coming out. Because sometimes like if there was like kids that sold weed, they'd leave, go to the car and come back through a side door. But then they couldn't get back into school. You had to come through the front. And then it was like, well, where the hell were you coming from? Everybody's in class. Oh, yeah, they had all kind of funky little ways they would check on people. But yeah, we would get new books every year. And all that, and I was like, but that was the thing that was the wildest to me when I was going to that school. And I was like, how come all y'all's books are old? Why are your globes old? Why are your maps old? And they were like, school don't have no money. And I was like, they got me a trophy. Maybe I should have kept this trophy <laughs> and bought a fucking map. I'm sure you well, could they call them. They, they was happy that you was able to pull up their take scores that year. I, I must have saved the principal's job because your girl got two <laughs> trophies for a fucking test score. But I did what well, I did. I really did like your book and people need to read it. They definitely need to read it. But I do want to get into the movie because I could talk to Miss Pat forever. Um, so why did you pick uh, the movie Life to talk about today? Um, for one thing, I don't watch a lot of TV and a lot of black movies, but um, I just finished a theater room in my house and my husband's like, let's watch some old black movies. Mm. And uh, we was just talking and my husband is like, he, him and my daughter is like pro black everything. If it ain't black or brown, we don't want it to, for my daughter to watch a movie. It has to have at least two to three black people or she would not fuck with it. Wow. So, Let's watch a black movie. And then, you know, I'm, I have custody of my niece kids. I'm like, I'm quite sure they never seen black movies. So he's like, life. And I was like, fuck yeah. And we popped it in on a fire stick. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize how this movie was. And it was, it was, it kind of made me really smile to see people from all ranges, comedians that was in that show. Mm. Like the guy who played fan. Because you forget that movie is old as hell. Um, what was his name? You just said his name when you was announcing the people who was in it. Oh, uh, I said, um, I said Bernie Mac, Oba Baba Tunde. Um, no, smaller person, go. Uh, let's let me go back. Ah, Guy Tory. Tory, yeah. And I was like, fuck, I forgot Guy Tory was even in this damn movie. So did I. Yeah, and um, so did I. There's so many people in this movie though. There's so many black faces. It was it was such a good black comedy and miguel nunez and jr used to work a lot uh the who? guy the guy who played biscuit the big uh biscuit uh the big guy no he was the one he was the slim one who kept his hair tied up he was uh basically like jangle legs you know boyfriend in the movie that's juana man yeah juana man he yeah, played, yeah, his he, character was gay. He played, I rem, I forgot about in the 90s and early 2000s, he worked so much. Yeah. He was in all the black TV. He was on Living Single. He worked all the time. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where he went, but he used to work. He auditioned for my sitcom that um, 
he auditioned to be the dad on the sitcom. So I was I was really surprised to see him. He did an awesome job. Really? Yeah. So he's still out there. And he's 60 something years old and he still fucking look good. And he killed oh. he killed that role in the movie life. He did. Now one time you, you didn't think that man wasn't gay. <laughs> Acting. When he when he didn't want to get out and, and he got his parole paper and he decided to cross the what is it the, the county line the gun line shot, yeah you really was like why the fuck you do that you was about to be free but you know I, I realized something from going to jail when and having relatives that been in jail all their life some people are just comfortable being in jail and I could relate to that character because I've had uncles and brothers that was in jail their whole fucking life. They literally get out and go right back in, and that's mm. why they feel safe. Damn. Because I know in the movie, he's talking to uh, Ray, which is Eddie Murphy's character, and he tells him that his family would not accept him being gay. Yeah, So you know, shit, they didn't even want to accept the, the color of your skin, so they definitely weren't going to accept you being black. I mean, black and gay. Because Bernie Mac's character, and that was like one of the sad parts. There's not many sad parts of this movie, but, um, you know, when he goes past the gun line and they, and what's so interesting is that the weird relationship that was built between the inmates and the guards, because when he starts to cross the gun line, the guards are yelling at him, do not, don't make us shoot you. Don't make us shoot you. Because they have, because they're like, we're going to have to do our jobs. So if the inmates and the guards, the, the dudes with the guns are yelling, please back up. Don't cross the line. We don't want to shoot you. That's a weird relationship to have. You see what I'm well, saying? I think, anytime, I think anytime when people like is, is working together and they see everybody every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, you build a relationship with people. My husband does it. Maybe not my husband. My son is a correction officer. So he does the same thing. You build a relationship with people. And you know, yeah. you uh, you see these people every day you come to fucking work, you know, mm -hmm. and you people grow on people. You know, mm -hmm. my son, I remember uh, one of his inmates got coronavirus and it was a guy who cut his hair. And my son acted like he was really concerned about this dude. He's like, Mama, I hope he pulled through. Right. So that's I mean, I kind of felt like they had been together so long mm -hmm. that everybody knew the rules and they, the man really didn't want to shoot him. Right. And then and Bernie Max. And what was so interesting is Bernie Max character, you know, goes to get him. And he also has to cross the gun line to go well, get him. Was, they knew he was, <laughs> Well, that was Bernie Mac's uh partner. And right. I, I knew that you knew that Bernie Mac wasn't trying to run. He just wanted to go see about the person he supposedly loved. Right. And it was interesting because the rules are still the same. I still have to shoot you if you cross this line. But it was kind of like, we can't kill both of them. And you know well, he's not, it. you know. Well, they, they knew he Bernie wasn't going to try to run. He just right. wanted to see back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was kind of sweet. I hate to see him get killed, but boy, did he play that role. He did. Because you know what I always think about? Whenever I always talks about, whenever, you know, I was watching some documentary about it was on watching on PBS because I grew up on PBS because we didn't always have cable. And it was a documentary about jail. And I saw all these men with cornrows. Mm -hmm. 
And I probably had to be like 12 years old. And my first thought was, who braided their hair? <laughs> and I, you see it all the time. And I was just like, who braided his hair? Because I never thought about men braiding hair. So I was like, oh, oh my. Can braid hair. Right. But at the time, I'd never seen it. I was like 12 or, you know, 11 or 12 years old. And all I could think about was how my mama braided my hair. So I was like, this man had to sit down in his prison cell in front of this bunk and get his hair braided like my mama braids my hair. I was like, well, maybe they do it in the yard. But I don't know if you can't braid somebody whole head in an hour. Can you braid somebody whole head in an hour? So now I'm trying to figure out in my head, well, maybe when they do it at lunch. So now I'm thinking about all of the places. And then I saw some dudes in there with hair. I said, is there a barbershop in here? Like, because I... I yeah, there's a barbershop in jail. See, all of my, my uncles that went to jail, they went to jail before I was born. They were doing stuff when they were younger. So I didn't have any relatives in jail once I was born. So I didn't know any. I knew people from high school and then um, some of my, I, I knew guys I was growing up with or friends I'd grown up with that had gone to jail. But no one in my family had never gone. So That's I, what you think that's like. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, not in my life. Well, my uncle's wife went and I didn't know about it. Yeah, but, people went to jail. Some people just like to keep secrets from the family. You'd oh, yeah. Surprised. Oh, no, I know my uncles went. My older uncles. My younger uncles, no. And then my father didn't have any siblings. So, and then I'm sure he'd gone to jail multiple times. But we didn't talk to him, so I didn't know. So, it's, yeah. it's such an interesting part of... Because it's so much... It's It's weird to say, but I don't know... I think it's weird when people say they know absolutely nobody who's been to jail. And I was like, I don't even think that's possible. You know, at least somebody who got locked up over the weekend. Because even if you got like... Well, people just seem to keep... I mean, wait, wait, the way you grew up, you was protected. So people... You didn't see stuff like I saw shit. So if mm-hmm. mama was selling pussy, I knew mama was selling pussy. If mama was selling pussy in your house, you didn't know. She was going out on a date or she was going work so it's just how you protected the child so i just think you've been protected if, if the secrets roll out you'd be like what you motherfuckers did all this oh i found <laughs> out i mean when i got older i found out my grandma had more siblings than i knew but those again those siblings had passed away before i was born or for before my mom was born so there's so much stuff you don't know because as the older you get you start finding out stuff and i'm like oh this is why they wouldn't let us come in the kitchen Okay, got yeah. it. This is why, because when they would say adult conversation, you're like, ah, whatever. And then a girl I was friends with, when she had her daughter, and we would be talking, her daughter would come up and you'd be like, no, grown folks conversation, beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it. Because we were talking about stuff she didn't even know about. But what's funny is that when her, my mom and her mom would be talking, we'd go in the kitchen, they'd be like, uh-uh, grown folks. And I'm like, we just said that to the baby. We can't. When are we ever going to be in grown folks conversations? She said, you'll never be as old as me. And I was like, all right, fine, fine. I'm never in the grown, grown folk conversation. I'm in the yeah, little grown folk conversation. Again. So what was your other favorite scenes from the movie? Uh, of course, the iconic, uh, do you want your cornbread scene? Oh and God. then the fight afterwards. <laughs> How many times was that? Between eat the cake animate and do you want your cornbread and uh until you do right by me, 
were the quotes I heard the most growing up. These three things. It's if somebody was a quote and do you want like anytime you ask somebody if you want something off, you want your cornbread. I said, sir, there's not even cornbread over here. I don't enjoy it. What do you actually need? My nachos? Because I'm not saying my nachos. Get out of here. But that scene was it's so quoted. It's so quoted. And they were like, it was so fucking funny. And people still quote it to this day. Right. So like for the people that haven't seen it, basically, they are in the cafeteria. It's called the mess hall when it's, you're in jail. Yes, the mess hall. Um, when I was in college, our our cafeteria was called the gag. Um, apparently, because these girls were not happy with the food, so they called it the gag. So I understand a nickname for a dining area. Um, but it's called. They were sitting in the mess hall, and you know they're all sitting there. They're all eating the same thing because it's this is what we got, and so. Uh, Ray and Claude. Ray is played by Eric Murphy. Claude is played by Martin Lawrence. And um, were they not going to give Willie Long the cornbread, or was it the big guy, Goldtooth? Because Goldtooth was the guy. Because he's the one that asked yeah. for it. A uh, gold mouth. Yeah. That's what it is. So gold mouth asked Claude if he wants his cornbread, and Ray won't let him give it to him. And then. Ray gets beat up for it because he's talking shit. The famous, I'm from New York City. You can't talk to me like this. Because I always love when people use geography as a threat. I think it's great. <laughs> I love it. There's so many times I've been in Atlanta. Hey, man, I'm from West Side. I'm from Bankhead. Or, you know, you don't know where I'm from. from it's like, I'm from the Swats. And I'm just like, I hope that this geography can back up. Um, I've heard I've heard people say that too. I, and I, I I mean I've even gotten a fight when I lived in Indy and I got a fight at a comedy club and this guy was like, You don't know me. I'm from I'm from the east side. I said, I don't give a fuck where you from. Right. If you put your hand on me, you're gonna be getting beat up in Carmel. Whatever you think. Cause I, I had a bit about some lady yelling, you know, bitch, I'm from Chicago. Um and someone tried to accuse me of stealing that from RuPaul's Drag Race. No, I actually saw this in real life. That, uh, what was that restaurant? Was it a, next to the, it was it an iron skillet or a something skillet that was on Bankhead next to the freeway, some diner place. My daughter used to work there, Iron Skillet. Iron Skillet. I saw. Iron skillet. Yeah, off of Bankhead. You got snowed in there. Yeah, Iron Skillet. So uh, this joke comes from the waitresses getting in an argument in the restaurant. And that's how I got that joke. Was it one of them going, you don't know me, bitch, I'm from Chicago, or da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, I'm not going to be afraid from anybody that says they're from anywhere in America. I said, if that girl would have yelled, bitch, I'm from the Congo, I'd have been like, ah, it's the problem. This is the problem. She needs help. If you start yelling at me that you're from a war-torn country, I'm not going to fuck with you. You have real... You have real experience in this. I don't know what kind of training yeah. you have. You've been through way more than me. So, well, if a child is she from Congo, she might pull out a banana and stab you in your fucking neck. And see, and I have that in the joke. This bitch might kill you with a sharpened banana. You need to get on away from her. Because um, I ended up doing, and I did it in my Conan set. And it's funny because that wasn't the original tag of the joke. But see, that means that me and you, our minds go the same way. Uh oh, did we lose her? Oh, she's back. No, um, I'm good. My calling, like, tell my kid to stop calling me. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's exactly what I went to. Was this bitch has a sharpened banana? Please leave her the hell alone. See, yeah. me and Miss Pat think the same. Ah! And I've never seen your comments. <laughs> see, 
I'm telling you, we, it's, you know, we're from the same city, different parts, but the same city. We get it. Uh, yeah, you was over there where a good lunch was. I was over there with that good lunch with them good white folks lunch. All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Let's get back into it. Now, wait, we cannot forget about the moment when you find out when uh, the warden's daughter gets pregnant, May Rose. <laughs> I think that was the most funniest shit ever. When it was like, I'm that baby pappy. Yeah. I'm I, that baby pappy. <laughs> and, then, and then when you think about it, it's like, it's that even is. it's even more funny because this man is gay, first and foremost. So when he uh-huh. pops up and goes, I'm that baby's pappy, that's why they all lose it. Because you absolutely know that this man was not this was not with her. But yeah, so if y'all haven't seen the movie, so uh Can't Get Right is a baseball star. They're trying to put him in the Negro <laughs> Leagues. But he's always getting distracted by the superintendent, not the warden, the superintendent's daughter. And she comes up pregnant and the baby is biracial. So the superintendent lines up all the inmates and he takes the baby and puts them up to each inmate's face. And so, so can't get right, doesn't get in trouble. All of the inmates are kind of, are trying to uh, claim paternity of this baby. But then you find out that get, can't get right is the father. But then can't get right goes to fought playing a Negro leads. I could never figure out why when they, when we, cause the superintendent realizes that can't get right is the father. Why doesn't he kill that man? Cause I was really expecting. Like, wait, what'd you say? He never realized can't get right. Was the father. Oh, I thought he got it. No, 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 no. They didn't know who the baby daddy was. And he just let it go. Cause <laughs> I thought everybody was going to get in trouble. Cause everybody was claiming well, paternity. You can't throw everybody in the hole. The hole ain't big enough for everybody. <laughs> everybody, uh, I'm that baby pappy. I'm that baby pappy. He's like, what the fuck is, well, maybe nobody out here is just baby pappy. Maybe she got pregnant by somebody else that was black. Because mm. it was, well, everybody there stood up and said that they was a daddy, the baby daddy. One no DNA tests back then. Honestly, not. All you could do is just hold up a baby to somebody and been like, I think this kind of looks like this one. Or kind of look yeah. like this one. But that was good that they did that for him because it stopped him, one, from getting killed and then two, he could go off to the Negro Leagues. And then the running theme of the whole movie is that they are trying to get out. They're trying to escape. And there's so many escape attempts. I mean, escape well, attempts. I, before we go there, you should talk about when... um. What, probably 20 more years go by and um, they become house niggers and Martin Lawrence is a house nigga and Eddie Murphy's in the garden and Martin <laughs> and Eddie Murphy was so mad that uh, Eddie Mur- Martin was the house nigga and he got to go and drive the car and go into the city and, and remember um, um, they they both get in the car and go off with him or they bring, you know, they bring the white dude back who sought them up for the crime that they never committed. Yes and he realizes yeah. it and he really, and then the man still has, because he's always, because Ray's character is always talking about my daddy's pocket watch, my daddy's pocket watch that he had lost in that poker game um, at the beginning of the movie. And what's so fucked up is that this man still has his pocket watch. 20 years later. Still. And, um, still. He ended up killing 
they ended up killing him and then the warden wants to let him go. But what happened when he, it's like, it was like Gilligan Island for them. Every yes. time they thought they were going to get out, bam, something happened. So the fucking warden died. You got a new warden. Then you can't go home. Open the doors. So it's because like when this happens, they're like now they're 65 years old. They've been in jail for 28 years, 30 years, basically. And this man pops up. Uh -huh. And it's we can really we can finally get out. We can finally get out. We mm -hmm. can finally leave. We didn't do it. And because Pike confesses to setting them up. And what's so messed up is like the, the, you know, the sheriff doesn't have, Pike doesn't have any remorse. The man that set him up and he was like, at least the state of Mississippi got 40 years of cheap later out of the deal. And it's like, oh yeah, you got to die. So Pike tries to kill them. Then the warden Wilkins, who they work for, ends up killing Pike. And he's yep. like, okay, y'all going to get pardons and y'all going to get out. And then he dies of a heart attack on the toilet on the shitter <laughs> on the shitter as Willie Long yeah. said on the shitter the day before he was supposed to do and he couldn't do anything yeah because he died because so he died and then they end up because they don't it, it's because they're 90 years old and they're in the infirmary because like I think some like that's why when I think of the idea of like life in prison mm -hmm. my brain can't I don't think my brain can handle it I don't think my brain can life in prison is different now you can get life in prison and it's seven years in some states or it's 10 years and you can get life eligible for parole so it's just life is different back then life was life oh so but so you if you got life so there was no eligible for parole. You just, you in jail now. Probably not back in those days. Probably not. I don't know the law, but probably not. Right. Because that's when you're. Not no black folks. Life was life, bitch. They wanted you to build roads. They wanted you to do shit the slaves didn't, didn't finish. Whenever I for saw a chain gang, when you see them, and I was like, they'll show a chain gang and they busting up rocks. And I'm just like. What are these rocks for? And now if it came out of my mouth, I was like, gravel, obviously. Duh. That's why I was busted up rocks. But literally for the life of me, and literally until right now, I could not understand the purpose of busting up rocks. And then I just got a flash of a gravel road in my head. And I was like, bitch, you dumb dumb. Well, <laughs> I don't know if that was, that's what it was for. And actually, I've never seen a chain gang other than movies. Other than movies. I've seen, a, a, again, documentary about jail. When they were still doing chain gangs, they had them print, you know, the whole license plates and doing laundry and all of this they, they stuff. Do they, mm -hmm. they do that license plates, and they make a bunch of other shit. They used well, they used to make a bunch of other stuff in jail. Excuse they don't make me. a bunch of stuff in jail anymore. I haven't been in jail, don't say, in probably thirty years. Praise God. <laughs> praise God. I'm a, uh, yes. Oh, uh, you ain't got to praise God. I'm not going. I'm too old to shit on, to sit on an iron toilet. <laughs> uh, my, so I cannot, I cannot uh, sit on toilets low to the ground anymore. I need a tall boy toilet. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you have to ask your parents and your grandparents about that. 
when you get a certain age, piss won't even come out of you unless your feet is a certain height off the ground. <laughs> but you don't have one of those, but do you have one of those squatty potties? I don't know what the fuck that is. Oh, squatty potties, great. Um, I would love them to sponsor my show. So basically what it is, is that because of how toilets in the human body is designed, it's, and because, because of the toilets, of heights of toilets, and because of how your body is designed, humans weren't designed to evacuate their bowels in that position. It's supposed to be in like a squatting position, like a dog, like a, how, you know, animals will squat when they poop. Humans mm-hmm. are supposed to do that. So, you know, sometimes not, when it's not, just... Hmm? Not when you're over 50. I hear you. So this is the thing. So what the squatty potty does is that you can be at the regular height of a toilet, but it brings your legs up. Oh, okay. To put you in that squatting position. And I thought it was a con <clears throat> job. I was like, this is some bullshit. And then I tried one and I was like, oh, this is genius. We should have been doing, we should have been doing this the whole time. Toilets should just have a little thing in front of them. They're great. You got to get one. You got to get one. I got, I got one in the bathroom now. I got a travel one for when I go on the road and it folds up flat. And I just put it in my suitcase. Miss Pat, you got to get on the squatty potty, my friend. Okay. Well, I'm about to check that out. Never heard of it. I cannot believe you never heard of this. All my friends was talking about it. Come on, Miss Pat. Young people do shit old people don't do. We ain't trying to do nothing different with the toilet. <laughs> I don't want no I don't want no water up my ass. I just want to go to the bathroom and lay back down. That's it. <laughs> Wait, you've never used a bidet? Uh no. I I grew up some days at the go outside and slide my ass across the grass like a dog. So how you gonna ask me that I have a bidet? <laughs> I meant as an adult. I didn't use one as a child either. No, I don't. I don't want no water in my ass. It's already stay slipping and slide. I'm big. I'm not small either, Miss Pat. That's why I'm out here trying to get this butt water fountain together. It's a great time. The water has to be the right. Uh, we gotta have the right water pressure. Otherwise, literally, it's like putting your butt over a water fountain. And I was like, this is completely fucking pointless. It's like a baby wipe. It's genius. So hold on. Now we have to talk. Mm -hmm. We got to talk about, so they do finally get out. Cause like when the movie starts, you see two young inmates and then Uh Willie Long's in a wheelchair, drinking out of a bottle of flask. And he's talking to them and they're burying these two burned bodies. That yep. were uh, which is uh which is what is the rapper name? That's a rapper? Who yeah, that's um that's um what is his name? Oh heavy D. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heavy yeah. D. That was Heavy D. Heavy D was beautiful. Mm. I, I I grew up on Heavy D. I'm oh Heavy D was great. He's so pretty. But it's Heavy D and somebody else and they're burying hold on. Let's see. So the two young inmates are talking to Willie Long and he's telling them, cause he's been it's like, while they've been burying the bodies, Willie Long has been telling them the story and he finally comes up with like the, the new plan that Claude tells, right. Ray, you know, Claude tells Ray of another plan he's come up with. And but wait a minute, you closing it. We forgot something. Well, we Remember forget. when they, 
we remember when they went into that um into <laughs> into that uh re- that restaurant and he wanted pie and they was like we don't sell no nigga pies here. <laughs> oh, he flipped out about the pie because this was before they got arrested. And he said um I'm going to go I'm going to go um Hold on, I'm sorry. Housekeeping my room. Um, and he said, uh, he, he was trying to explain, Eddie Murphy was trying to explain to Martin Lawrence that he don't want no nigga pie. Remember they went into that restaurant? Yes. And then the other one, when, he, when, when Martin got fed up while they was in jail and he breaks into, I mean, he runs over to the white lady house who got the apple pie cooling outside the window. Because he crosses be- Yeah, they beat us out. And then, because like he had to cross past the gun line, he had to avoid these bullets. He gets over to the pie and then yeah. what's so sad is that the pie is too hot for him to even eat. He still got some of that nigga pie. He still got some of the pie. <laughs> oh, it was white folks pie. That's it was white folks it. pie. He still had time to get it and he burned his mouth. And then he had to stand on those bottles. Uh-huh. Uh, he had to stand on those uh, bottles as a punishment. Right. So it's like, we could have put you in the hole. We ain't going to put you in the hole. You're going to have to stand on the tops of all of these bottles and you just see him standing there and his toe keeps slipping into the top of the different bottles and then Ray is supposed to have the gun on Eddie Murphy's character is supposed to have the gun on him and they were like if he falls off and he slips shoot him and kill him and he didn't fall in when he did Ray wouldn't shoot him mm-hmm. and so he had to stand on the bottles but it was good that they had to stand on a bottle because they hadn't been talking for years. Yeah. On the last escape, it, it got, got good. So them standing on these bottles is when they got to be friends again. Yeah. So that was an iconic part of the movie also. And then the wrap up, which you were starting to do before I remember that. Yes, because I meant to ask, I, I'm sorry, I meant to ask about that. Um, sometimes I get excited and I start talking about stuff. Uh... Let's see. But you know what? I'm I'm glad because you find out because of this plan that they came up with. So, oh, when Ray is talking about that nightclub he wants to have. We, we the almost boom got room. It is this, but only in Ray's head. Yes. That whole and nightclub. Characters from jail and put them in those situations in the boom boom room. Because it was almost like he was doing his own Harlem nights in his head yep. at jail. Because he's going back to like, you know, that era, the 1920s, 1930s era. Because, you know, we do have to talk about, they were both two guys from New York who had gotten in trouble with the nightclub owner who's played by Rick James. And he's like, I'm sorry, because Clyde was supposed to start a job at as a bank teller. And Ray Rick was... Jack- yeah, that was, hold on. Rick James? This is Rick James. No? Did I get his name wrong? I don't remember seeing no Rick James in no Harlem Nights, I don't think. No, not in Harlem Nights. In, um, in Life. Life. Right. He was, who? He was, play, he played the nightclub owner that they got in trouble with. I didn't even notice that was fucking Rick James, and I've seen it several times. I didn't notice it was Rick James either until I started looking up more about it. And he looked so different. That I had no clue that it was Rick James. None. Because I saw this, because I literally was like looking it up, like, you know, because we research all of the movies that, you know, our guests want to talk about. And I was like, that wasn't no damn Rick James. But 
When I would see Rick James on the Chappelle show when they were talking to him, and then you see Rick James back in the 70s with them braids, that looks like two completely different people to me, too. Well, we all do once we get old, though, say. <laughs> My brother used to date a girl that that, back, that uh, danced for Rick James. She was a backup dancer. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, it was called the Omni in Atlanta. I don't know if you remember this. You're probably a little too young. I was at the last event in the Omni. It was at it was WCW Monday Night Nitro, the last event in the Omni before they tore it down was a wrestling yeah. match and my mama took us. So I've been in the Omni. <clears throat> so my Rick James came and I, I was born in 72. So it was probably 79, 80, mm-hmm. maybe because I had my first child in 86. But anyway, my oldest brother dated one of his backup dancers and he was staying at the Omni Hotel. Mm-hmm. And so we over to that room and Rick James had a joint that was probably tall as me smoking it. And I remember him saying, get these fucking kids out of here. I don't do drugs in front of kids. And he was talking about me. I think me and my sister, because my brother had taken us to um to the concert because he dated a girl who backup danced for him. You weren't, were you even 10 years old when you met Rick James? I, I, I don't even think I was 10. I don't I was very young. I just remember the beads in his hair and the drugs. I don't even remember the concert. I remember my brother buying us pieces from this pizza spot at the Omni. And we had to, if you if you're from Atlanta, you've been inside the Omni, they had an ice skating ring. Mm-hmm. They wanted rid of it. They put like waterfalls and stuff in those areas. And we were sitting there. Well, matter of fact, I think the ice skating ring ice skating rink was still open and we were sitting there watching we had to sit there and watch people skate while she called my brother go upstairs and get hired rick james so y'all just sat outside and watch people ice skate yeah I used to ice skate back then because my brother was a big ass ice skater he could ice skate his ass off that is the most fun thing but that's amazing you met Rick James when you were, what, eight? And he's like, but it is nice to know he would go, I ain't doing drugs in front of these kids. Put them outside by themselves. But he was study puffing the weed as he was saying, get the kids the fuck out of here. I ain't doing drugs. Hey, he wasn't going to finish the joint is what he was saying. Oh, he was going to finish the joint. He just needed us to exit. Exactly. <laughs> I done started this joint. I plan to finish this joint. I'm not doing well, it in front of these kids. I'm actually going to go back and look now because I didn't catch Rick James, but now I'm going to go when I get home. I'm in Nashville right now. To, uh, tonight is my last show. And then I'm, when I get home this weekend, I want to watch Life Again because I watched every time you watch an old movie like that, you catch shit that you didn't hear the first time. Mm-hmm. So it's a funny little funny shit that, you know, when a movie is new, you laughing your ass off. So you really can't catch all the little shit. You need to watch it a couple of times. So I'm gonna go back and watch. I want to see. I want to pay attention to Rick James this time. So, all right, Claude comes up with a cunning plan. They steal two bodies from the morgue. They start a fire in the infirmary, and then they hide in the fire trucks that leave in the morning. And so, and they end up, end up, mm-hmm, and they end up finally at a fi- baseball game. At a baseball game. So not only did you escape jail. But you also found a way as two 90-year-old black men to get from the middle of Mississippi all the way to New York and then to a Yankees game. And, of course, my thought was, okay, how'd they have them? But I guess as they worked in the warden's house, they had 
Money? Transportation. I don't think, I think that's something we'll never know. I but think I was glad to see him at the Yankees game. I was glad that they finally got out and they finally get to go back home because, oh, this was the other messed up part of the movie when they were trying to appeal their guilty conviction when they got, you know, when they got arrested. Claude, Martin Garn's character, his cousin Melvin, comes to Knocked get it. With his girlfriend. With his girlfriend, is supposed to get him appealed out. The appeal gets denied and the girlfriend ends up with the cousin. So now you're hey, in jail. I'm sorry? I said, hey, it's the 40s. You got to, it was black men's one is many. So. <laughs> and this is right before the war because the girlfriend was Daisy played by uh, Sanaa Latham. Yes. And then, uh, I don't know, who the hell played? Melvin's character was such a small part. Plus, I hated him for doing that to uh, to, uh, to Claude. Because he's like, listen, man, you ain't going to get out. So I'm just going to take your lady. Rude. All right. I like singing, Miss Pat. I think it's fun. All right, y'all. We're going to take a quick break. And then we'll be back. Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Let's get back into it. Okay. Now, we are to my favorite part of the show. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Called That Black Ass Confession. We have music, but I always make a noise when we do this part. So, Miss Pat, <clears throat> I would like to know what black movie or TV show or play you have not seen or a black thing you cannot do. For instance, I have never seen the movie Bebe's Kids or Baby Board, and I cannot play spades. Well, everyone's seen it now. You you never seen Baby Boy? No, and I'm not going to. Why? No. So you can tell people you haven't seen it? You missing one of the best fucking lazy ass son, stepdaddy interaction in the world. That sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds horrible. You know what? People tell no. me the only thing people ever tell me about Baby Boy is how good Taraji P. Henson is in the movie. So you can give me a supercut of all of Taraji P. Henson's scenes, and I'll be fine. But now it's my favorite thing to tell people. Because before when I tell people I didn't see Baby's Kids, they're like, what? No, that's crazy. Ah! But now that I tell people that I've never seen Baby Boy, it's my favorite thing to tell black people that I've never seen Baby Boy. Um, I think for me, um, black movies, it probably would be something Tyler Perry made. That you because, haven't I seen. Mean, that I haven't seen. Okay. Um, Okay, have you seen A Family That Prays? What is that one about? Because Tyler Perry got 9 million movies and sitcoms. Yes, yes. He's making all of the things. So A Family That Prays is actually a good one. That's the one with uh, Kathy Bates. And... Yeah, oh, that's, I saw that one. That one was good. I saw that one. That one was really good. Uh, Alfre Woodard. I don't know why her name dropped out of my head. Um. Let's see. Meet the Browns, Acrimony. I've not seen Acrimony. Okay. I haven't seen that either. Uh, so. Was it? Uh, Acrimony. That's the one with Taraji P. Henson. Yeah. My daughter said it was good. I didn't see Acrimony. Uh, so, like I said, it had to because Tyler Perry pump out. We didn't get black movies like we get today until Tyler Perry came on the scene. So, he right. makes so many. 
that you can, oh, I ain't catch you later. But he be done made three more by the time I watch his last one. He done so made I three more by the time we get off this podcast. You probably right. <laughs> so Acrimony would probably be, I haven't seen that one. Okay. I can tell you a Tyler Perry movie that I wanted to see that I didn't see because I wanted to see it in the theater, but I was on the road and couldn't catch it because me and Baron Vaughn were supposed to go watch it. And that was Boo a Medea Halloween. That was so fucking funny to me. And people said it was not funny. That was one of my favorite Tyler I knew that money. I knew, I knew it was going to be funny. Because it was funny to me. I knew it was going to be funny because it was like, I know how black people react to scary movies. So I wanted to see if this is how black people react to scary movies. If the blackest movie is now doing a horror movie, I had to see it. And me and Baron Vaughn were going to go, but he was on. We were both working so much. We couldn't catch it. But I wanted to go to the theater and see this movie. I got to see this movie. So it was funny. Okay. I saw the, I saw the commercial. When I would see the trailer and the commercial, I was like, oh, this movie's going to be funny. It was pretty funny. I liked it. See, now I got to find it. Now I got to find it. Okay. So, I miss Pat. What is the biggest thing you think people should take away from this movie? Life? Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> hey, they still treat black people like they treated them in 42. <laughs> Facts. Oh, ain't nothing changed with time, baby. It's the same way. They still lock us up and get free time out of us for for all those years. So that's what they get. But it's also a very funny ass movie that you should watch. But it also has some real parts to it. The way they frame black black America. The way they treat them. Right. Uh, and you know, people would always, and it's recently, you know, because of DNA evidence and because the innocence project, you know, there are, there's now proof that there are a lot of black people, a lot of black men, cause men are just locked up more anyway. Uh, there are a lot of black men who are in jail for crimes they didn't commit. And they're getting out because of now they still keep the evidence, which I think is interesting. Like people that got locked up in the 80s, they're still somewhere where the evidence against him is. And they can test it and go, okay, so um, you know how we didn't have evidence in 1985 and you've been jailed for most of your life? Well, we tested these uh this rope that you were supposed to have used. Turned out you never even touched it. Thank you. And you're like, motherfucker, I've been in jail for almost 40 years. What are you talking about? Because some guy just yep. got out and they gave him... <laughs> 20 like 30 million dollars or something like that yep but people were like saying like is it he lost so many years of his life is the money worth it or how what would be the amount of money you don't have a choice but to take it they took your life away so at least you can live the rest of your life comfortable right like don't wrongfully convict me let me out and then now i gotta get a job well, yeah, fuck. You only do you even know how to work? Shit have changed so much. Computers and all kind of shit have came up. So you know he deserved those thirty million dollars. I can definitely agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. I want to thank Miss Pat for joining me on the show today. 
we talked about how life shows us that some things stay the same as it relates to our prison system, how figuring out who the baby daddy was in the 1930s involved staring really closely at somebody's face, and how Miss Pat confessed that she has not seen Tyler Perry's Acrimony, but he has probably made seven movies by the time this comes out. I want to thank you guys for listening. Our creator and producer of the show is Judith Carbo. Our supervising producer is Rebecca Steinberg. Our music composer and supervisor is Brendan Solomon Lynch. Our audio engineer is Jessica Gutierrez. Our executive producer is Jason Smith. And I'm your host, Dulce Sloan. So join us next time on That Black Ass Show. Star Bands Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.